Good morning, everybody. We're going to read from Philippians 4, 8 through 13 this morning. Uh, so if you want to pull out your Bibles, your smartphones, your photographic memory, whatever works for you. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you last renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned that the secret of being content in any and every situation, hmm. whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Amen. What a passage, huh? We set this one up last week to fall over on Laura Rano just to stress her out during her sermon. And it worked perfectly. It fell over just like we planned. That's a joke. (laughs) I wanted you to know uh, Marcy Mayer, uh, raise your hand, Marcy. She made um, some of these stickers that you can put on your car or your windows and things like that. So she made one that says, Wind Builds Sin, one with the Life Spring uh, leaf. And then the whole package deal that says life spring, you know, with the leaf. And, um, yeah, you just peel it off and you put it wherever uh, you want, want to put that. Um, and they're free. So she's giving it to us for free, which is amazing. So if we could thank her for that. And, um, yeah. And then um, they are out there at the Welcome Center. Those things always make me a little nervous to put something like that on my car because I know how bad of a driver I am. But but for those of you that have more confidence, go for it. (laughs) So the scripture, as I was studying it this week, I I was thinking, you know, to be a disciple, to to learn uh, from the Lord, uh, hearing from his word is really a discipline that we all have to grow in. Um, not just to hear the word, right, but to do the word, not just to hear the word, but listen to it in a way where it penetrates us, changes us, right? The, the whole world could hear the word, but how we receive it, each of us receives it differently, and, and a lot of that has to do with how our heart is, where our mind is, where our attitude is, and, and for me, one thing I've realized in my life, and I, I've said this many times, is that I've realized that the Bible is the bread of life. It is the bread. It is my nourishment. It is what I feed on. It, it, is, it is Jesus. You know, the Word is truly what I need every day, a, a daily bread, a daily manna. And I was thinking about that this week. Is, do you feel that way about the Word of God? Is, is that the place that it has in your life? Is it the nourishment that you need every day to live for God? And, and I think some of us, we might need a recalibration in our lives and how we relate to the Word. I, I was thinking about this. Some of us, I, I see this in so many Christians, you, you live your life and, and you believe in the Word, you have the Word, but what you do is you kind of, you're living your life and you kind of take some from over here, then you take some from over here, and you take some from over here, and you just use the Bible to help your life. 
compared to the Bible and the Word of God going forth and you just following in its footsteps. Whatever you might say, God, whatever you might show me, whatever you might want to teach me, right? I'm not picking and choosing. Just what, whoever you are, authority, Word of God, I follow you. And as you follow the Word of God, as you see behind you, what do you see? The Word of God. You see fruitfulness. You see faithfulness. That, and I, I just, I, I wonder sometimes, I know I've been guilty many times in my life of just trying to use the Bible to fit into my life compared to my life trying to fit into the Bible. Am I the authority or is the Word of God the authority? So let's, let's, let's hear from the Bible today. Let's hear from the Word of God. Jesus himself in Matthew 4.4, 4, he says, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I do question that a little bit because I don't know if he's had uh, Carol's banana bread. It is amazing. Um, so he might, no, just kidding. He might, I mean, it is amazing, but... Uh, the scripture is still true. Um, so man will not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. What do we live on? We live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's not just a churchy statement, right? It's not just one of those Christianese statements. It's to be the truth of our lives. As Christians, we feast, we live on, we find our nourishment in every word that comes from the mouth of God. Amen? All right, let's read it again. I'm going to read this, and I, I'm just going to tell you, if you need to close your eyes and let it sink in that way, go for it. If you need to um, just read it in, uh, loud, you can do that. Whatever you need to do to just allow these words to penetrate our hearts. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, whatever you've seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am need. I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I, I know what it, I, I've learned the secret of being content. Content in every and any situation. Whether well fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Lord, speak to us this morning by your beautiful, powerful, awesome, amazing word. May it bring nourishment to our souls this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So let's start at the beginning here. Finally, brothers and sisters, he calls them. Let's see if we have that verse. Brothers and sisters. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about brothers and sisters? You guys remember that? Philippians 4.1, he calls them brothers and sisters. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Remember that we talked about that, that he was challenging these people, but he was challenging them from such an intense love and encouragement. He calls them brothers, sisters, you who I love and long for, my joy, my crown, my friends. And here he is again, he says, in Philippians 4, later on he says, my brothers, sisters, you whom I love, you whom I long for, you who are my joy, my crown, my friends. He says, come close, listen to me. This is important. Pay attention. Whatever is true... 
whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, brother and sister, think of these things. Think about these things. It's an encouragement. It encourages me, but it's also a warning. It's a warning because if you remember in Philippians 3.18, he says many, and he's talking about people in the church, he says many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their, mo- their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Destiny is destruction. God is their stomach. Glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Earlier, he warns against um, these Judaizers who are demanding that Christians be circumcised and follow the law of Moses to be saved. And he says about these men, he says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Don't listen to them, he says. Don't live like them. Don't think like they think. Remember, in Philippians 3.20, he reminds us, he says, you are a citizen of heaven. He says, you are a citizen of heaven. Your citizenship is in heaven. Remember who you are. Church, this morning, remember who you are. Remember your identity. As Philippians 1.27 says, it says, Brothers, sisters, family of God, friends, those who I love and long for, don't live for lesser things. Instead, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Citizen of heaven, son and daughter of the king, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Come close, listen, whatever is true, whatever is noble. That is beautiful. The harps of heaven. (laughs) Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Church, let's not gloss over this this morning. Can we allow it to penetrate our hearts? Can we allow it to sink in? The question is, where's your mind at? Right? What what have you been thinking about? What are you focusing on? Good questions to ask. As you left the worship night, and that worship night was amazing on Friday night. What a time we had with the Lord. But as you left the worship night, what did you think about? Right? Did you think on things that are true, noble, right, pure, and lovely? Or did you allow your mind to wander to lesser things? And then he continues. Philippians 4.9 Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And then there's a promise. Put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. What an arrogant statement that is. (laughs) Right? Do we understand this statement? He says, you want God in your life, right? You want peace in your life. Here's how. Do what I do. Right? You want the God of peace in your life. Just put into practice all the things that you've learned, received, heard, or seen in me. And he said this other places, right? 1 Corinthians 11.1, he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Earlier in Philippians chapter 3.17, he says, follow my example. Uh, Come on, it's amazing to me the confidence that the Apostle Paul has. He is so confident that he believes he is walking in a manner that is worthy of being followed. 
It's amazing. You want the God of peace in your life? Follow me. Do what I do. Follow me as I follow Christ. Like, you want the creator of heaven and earth. Like, the one who thought of the cosmos. And you want him, and you want his peace. And by the way, he says, it's a peace that passes understanding. So it's a peace beyond our comprehension. It is a peace that the world does not know understand. Right? Like, that peace is, like, so confusing to the world around you. You want that peace? Like, the peace of God. Then just put into practice the things you've seen me do. Seen me say. He believes that. Do you believe that? Think about your own life. Think about your own life. Are you willing to learn from those around you who are following Christ? Are you open to Christ being revealed to you through his body, through his church? It's a question we all have to ask because it's a hard question and we have to wrestle with it because have you ever been in the same room with another human being before? It can be challenging. People are challenging. And so our experiences with actual human beings, with actual flesh and blood, who, by the way, make up the body of Christ, sometimes those interactions keeps us from possessing a teachable spirit, a teachable, humble attitude. I know I've struggled with cynicism towards others. I've struggled with bitterness towards others. And I'm telling you, those attitudes have closed me off from learning from the body of Christ. Now other times when I've kept a godly perspective on others where I'm quick to forgive, quick to show compassion, love, and grace, I know for me in those times I end up learning so much from my brothers and sisters in the faith. In fact, since being here at LifeSpring, it has been rich for me, church. So rich. I have learned so much from you and I've learned from other people as well. I, I don't know if you remember, a couple of weeks ago I read a letter from Jack or from Glenn Burris and, and, and Jack Hayford was in that letter as well. And in that letter, I mentioned that they used Scripture in such a powerful, encouraging, meaningful way. I learned from them as I read that letter. Does that make sense? I learned from Glenn. I learned from Jack. But I had to make the conscious choice to learn from them. Right? Because lots of people probably read that letter. But I had to make the conscious choice. That's hard, right? This is scary stuff because we're talking about humans. But I followed them as they follow Christ. The question I often have to ask myself is this. Am I open to hearing from others who are in the body of Christ? And not just hearing, take it a step further, learning from others who are in the body of Christ. And I understand, again, a bunch of hurtful things have been said to us. And, and you do have to have a certain level of discernment as what you receive as truth from others. I, I'm, by the way, I'm not perfect at that. I'm still learning how, how to do that. But... Just this week, Monday and Tuesday, I was struggling. I'm not sure if senior pastors are supposed to say these types of things, but mentally I was struggling Monday and Tuesday. Fragile is a good way to put it. And I, I remember Tuesday, you, you maybe been here before, but Tuesday I did not want to meet anyone. I didn't want to see anyone. I was not looking forward to my day, but of course, if you know my schedule, I had a lot of meetings filled up for that day, four in a row in fact. But I went through them one by one. It was Jeremy, then it was Ryan, then it was Jason, and then it was Ray Mayer. And I love that all four of you are here in the service this morning. And each of these men, 
a supernatural church. Each of them spoke so deeply into my life. In fact, in the morning, Tuesday morning, I wrote to my wife and I said, I, I feel like I'm going crazy. And yet by the end of the day, I had the peace of God with me. And the peace of God, he's been with me this entire week. The peace of God was with me. Why? Because I hung out with disciples of Christ. And I put into practice what they were saying. And the God of peace was with me. It's the promise of Scripture. (laughs) So many people read Scripture as it's an idea of something that might happen. One day it might happen. Or it just happens for special people like Paul. But the promise of Scripture is for you. And so as you observe others in the faith, listen to them and put what they have to say into practice. And guess what? The God of peace, this is a promise, the God of peace will be with you. Amen. I think this statement by Paul is important because it shows that community is important. The the importance of what happened to me on Tuesday morning and, and what happened Uh, on Friday night and and what is happening this morning. Christianity, listen to this, Christianity, the faith of Christianity, it is a modeled faith, right? It is modeled by others. In the family of God, we have examples to follow. And just, you can think about some of the examples you have in your own life. Now, they're not idols to be put on pedestals, right? They're not saints to be worshiped, but they are heroes of the faith. And in this room, as I look around, many of you are heroes of the faith. Those who are spiritually mature and, and you're to be listened to. You are to be heard from. You are to be imitated. That's okay, church. Because this is actually the model that we've been following for 2,000 years now. Jesus started, and guess what? He has some followers. We call them disciples. Disciples. You know what it means to be a disciple? It means to be a learner. It means to be a student. If you're a disciple, it means you have a teacher, one who is teaching you. And as they listen to them, uh, listen to him, as they followed him, guess what? They learned from him and one of the things that he taught them was to go out he said you are to go out and make disciples this is what it says so jesus came to them he says you my students those who will learn from me those who i've been teaching all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you and surely i am with you always to the very end of the age he says go make disciples baptize them and teach them to obey my commands and guess what they actually did it Have you read the Bible? It's amazing. The disciples, they go out and make disciples. So they go to these places. They start telling people about Jesus. And people listen to them. They begin to imitate. Who do they imitate? They imitate the disciples. Because this next generation, they haven't seen Jesus. Who do they see? They see these disciples. And they imitate the disciples. And they imitate people that are becoming more like Jesus. So as you imitate them, guess what? You're becoming more like Jesus. Because they're not make, I'm not making a disciple of Dan, or you're not making a disciple of Randy, you're not making a disciple of John. We're making disciples of Jesus. So as I become more like Jesus, and I teach you about becoming more like Jesus, you become more like Jesus, and then you go out and you teach another person to become more like Jesus. We make disciples. It's a chain. It's a discipleship chain. We've got to understand this. A discipleship chain that has gone on for 2,000 years. Think about this. That chain has got its way all the way up here, May 15, 2016, to the little town of Edgewood, Washington. Does that just not blow your mind? Isn't that awesome? So he makes disciples. One of those guys that Jesus 
works on is Paul. And Paul's pretty good at making disciples. In fact, he, he tells his disciples to go. And then Paul comes along and look how Paul goes. We have a, a little map here. You're not going to be able to read it. The idea is just that Paul went a lot of places. And all these places he went, he started a lot of churches. He started churches. And in these churches, guess who rises up in these churches? Disciples. And these disciples go. And they make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And as you look at Paul, this is important. As you look at these early disciples, one of the important things to understand is it wasn't just their words. Jesus is a good example of this as well. It wasn't just Jesus' words, right? It was Jesus' actions. For these disciples, it wasn't just their words, their ministry. Their ministry was more than words. Their actions, how they lived, mattered just as much or even more than what they said. And, and all the early disciples understood this. Look, look at John in 1 John 3.18. He says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with what? Oh, man, it would be nicer if I could just blab away for 30 minutes on a Sunday morning and be done, right? No. Let us not just love with words and speech, but with action and in truth. James, he says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it is what? It's dead. Christianity has always been about a change on the inside that gets expressed on the outside. We sing the song, you've heard the song, right? From the inside out. Change on the inside. It gets expressed on the outside. We're a new create creature. We're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. We actually are changed. And this change in us doesn't just change what we say. This is important, but it changes what we do. This is important for disciples. As disciples, we're not just eloquent in speech. Our action has been changed. And as our lives change, and as we mature in the faith, something amazing happens. People begin to see Jesus. And they begin to see Jesus in you. Whoa. Whoa. But that's a huge part of disciples making disciples. I follow you because I see Christ in you. Not just in word, but in deed. I can say that about my wife. I follow my wife as she follows Christ because I know I see Jesus in her. And guess what? I really want to be like Jesus. And if I see what she's got, I say, I want what you got. I'm going to follow her, learn from her. One of my best teachers in my world is my wife. She has taught since the last 10 years of marriage. And I'm telling you, half of it I don't even like. <laughs> she teaches me. You know it's true, right? <laughs> like, ah, oh, I hate that you just said that, and it's so true. <laughs> but with the idea of community, that's why this is important. That's why this matters. You matter. Like, you. Like, your name. Put your name in there. You matter. Why? Because people see Jesus through you. Oh, no, I don't know. Yes, they do. If you're a disciple of Christ, people are watching you. Not just what you say, but what you do. 
And the great thing is the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit is within you and the power of the Holy Spirit makes you more like Jesus. He's teaching you. He's guiding you. He's leading you. He's transforming you. He's conforming you to the image of Christ. You are becoming every day more like Christ. (laughs) Some of us, it's time to accept that. Okay. I'm a disciple of Christ. So I'm becoming more like Jesus every day. And so people maybe might see Jesus in you. Life spring. That's why you're so important. That's why it matters as you go out into this world, as you go out into Fife Milton and Edgewood, it matters. And I actually believe, and this is why I love being here, and this is why I'm still here, that I see Jesus in Life Spring, and I believe our community is seeing Jesus in Life Spring. I honestly believe that. It's powerful to me. It's why I love being here, because I see Jesus in you. Did you know that I need you? Oh, I'm so needy. I do. I need you. You know why I need you? Because I want to see Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. And guess what? Whether you like it or not, I see Jesus in you. And I'm learning how to be like Jesus through you. Powerful scripture, isn't it? Brother, sister, family, friend, you who I love, you who I long for, you who I love, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Right now, I just want to give us a moment. Think about, maybe the Lord can help you on this one. Think about somebody in your life, someone who's mature in the faith, and you've heard something from them, or you've seen something in them, and you know in your spirit that it's time to put that into practice. Right? It's time to put it into practice. What you've seen, what you've heard, it's time to put it into practice. Like, I mean, we have all the excuses why we don't do that. But what if today... Like truly, we just humbled ourselves. Like, man, I'm just going to stop trying to figure out all the complexities of this earth and of this world, but I see Jesus in them and I see their, their model and their example and I want to be like Jesus so I will uh, follow them. What, what if we actually did that? In our marriages, that would that'd be amazing if we did that in our marriages. Just think about a person, a name of a person. Maybe there's an example of something that someone is doing. Maybe they've said or maybe they've done and you know it's a model for you to follow. I, I want you to take right, time right now just to write it down. Put, maybe it's in your Bible, journal, whatever, maybe on your hand. Just write down that person. And then this is the scary part. Make the commitment to put it into practice. Not tomorrow. <laughs> right? We want this to be a transformational time. Not just words. I'll give you an example. Every morning, if possible, I read my Bible. It's May 15th. I haven't missed a day honestly, of my Bible reading plan this year. And I don't say that for any other reason, but just to tell you, it has not been that way a lot of my life. But then I, I was in Spokane. It's so funny, you know, I'm a pastor in Spokane reading my Bible like once a week. You know, like I'm trying to feed people the Word of God and I barely know it myself. But there was a pastor there, a co-worker that I was working with. His name is Bill Fowler. Bill Fowler, oh man, you would love Bill Fowler. Older gentleman from Texas. I mean, he calls things thingamajigs and womp, wampajod. Is that wampajod? Like just things I'd never heard before. And he had the accent and everything. I mean, he, he was Texas too, so he gets serious about Jesus. But I mean, he loves him. He, he loves Jesus. He knows Jesus. He loves sharing about Jesus. And I wanted to be like Bill. But Bill's influence on me didn't really take root until one morning I was coming over to their house to pick up his son. His son was the same age as me. I had this Bible study, early morning Bible study at a local coffee shop, and, and I was taking his son to, to, the, to the coffee shop, and 
I mean, it was, it was like 5.30 in the morning, something like that. And I, he's like, oh, I'm not ready yet. So I go into the house. I go upstairs. And over on the right, I see Bill Fowler sitting alone by himself. Guess what he was doing? What is he doing? Reading his word, right? Reading the Bible. I mean, again, this is so, I mean, I, at this point, this is before kids. It's not like, like 9, 9.30. I mean, that's a good time to wake up. Like 5.30 is not in my world. <laughs> but it was beautiful to me, church. It had, I mean, you know like those images in your mind that you've seen and you just can't forget them? It's an image I cannot forget. And he told me that this is what he did every morning. And, and I don't know about you, but when he said that, you know, this is something I do every morning, this desire just welled up within me, right? I want to be like you. Have you ever had that happen where you see something and somebody was like, man, I want that. And I wanted that. And, and, and I think the big thing for me is... I. I like, I saw him, right? I mean, it wasn't just words. It wasn't just a Bill Fowler sermon, and boy, that guy could preach, and he was from Texas, and anyone with an accent sounds more spiritual than not, and you know, all those types of things. But it was, it was more than just words. It was actually seeing Bill close to Jesus, and I wanted to be like Bill. And again, we're not supposed to put Bill on a pedestal. This is so important. He's not to be an idol. No, he's to be an example. An example, a model for what it looks like to follow Christ, to be like Christ. And so you follow his example, follow his model. I hope we understand this this morning. So verse 10, he says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that you last renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. I rejoice greatly in the Lord. Remember that phrase. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. He's, he's addressing this gift that they had sent with Epaphrodites uh, to, um, to Paul. And, and later in the chapter, he says, because of this gift, he is now well supplied. Paul is now well supplied because of this gift that they sent with Epaphroditus. And in verse 10, he, he lets them know that he rejoiced greatly in the Lord when he received this gift. But then verse 11, he says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances would you say that with me? I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. That's a powerful verse, church. This could be an entire sermon series just on this one verse. Did you, I mean, wow. He has learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Again, it sounds just so Christian and so beautiful and so like hanging on your bathroom wall, but have you actually read what that says? He learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Do you remember where Paul writes this letter from? Where does he write the letter from? Prison. And he says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I laughed out loud as I read this verse this week because I live in a society that runs on discontentment. Right? Right? Almost the complete opposite of what Paul is saying. Our economy is driven by our desire to want more. I, in fact, I was thinking how personally I, myself, Daniel Allen Burst, how much I have stimulated the economy just by myself trying to buy things and stuff to find contentment. 
In fact, we could do a poll in here because of the discontentment within us, right? We have all played our part in stimulating the economy, right? It's the new stimulus plan. We call it discontentment. But listen, that's what we do. I mean, that's just where we're at outside of Christ. We desire contentment. And for this, this, it's like this goal of contentment. Have you ever felt that way? Like it's this thing that you could achieve. And so to find contentment, what do we do? We work for it. We effort for it. We strive for it by obtaining a, possessions, by accomplishing achievements even, right? Like maybe your contentment is found in accomplishing that achievement. It's living for the things of this world instead of just receiving, listen to this, receiving the gift of contentment that doesn't come from us and our efforts and our works and our striving and our possessions, but the gift of contentment that comes from who? From God through Jesus Christ. It's a different way to find contentment, isn't it? And yet so many of us get caught in this trap of trying to find contentment in this world. And what a miserable, miserable way to live because we will never find true contentment in the things of this world, and yet we continue to dry. Watch this clip. But with all that money, fame, and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something great out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is... Wow, that's Tom Brady. He's now won four Super Bowls, right? He's, he's reached the pinnacle. And yet, there's got to be more to life than this. I watched that clip. I was like, you need Jesus, Tom. <laughs> I got the answer. But Jesus, I think, hopefully, as we mature in the faith, and we're all in process, and we're all learning, but Jesus satisfies the soul. And we wrestle with this, and I don't, right? I mean, we do, let's be honest. But that's who he is. Jesus, he's called the all-sufficient Savior, meaning he gives us everything that we need. And, and I believe this. One of the true gifts, I see it in my own life, I see it in others' lives as we learn this, is one of the true gifts and, and treasures of maturing in the faith is that we actually get to obtain this gift of contentment that is found in Christ. Have you realized that in your life where you strive for things, but then as you mature in the faith, you realize more and more that you're just receiving the gift of contentment, not from things in this world, but from God. Anyone else growing in that? Right? We, we grow in that. And I like that because it's actually this transition that begins to happen where we begin to find our contentment in the invisible, eternal things of God and of Christ. And those things, the invisible, eternal things, actually begin to satisfy. And as those things begin to satisfy the earthly, temporal things of this world, guess what? They lose their power to cause us discontentment. That is part of the journey of faith. The maturity that happens in faith. I see that in many of the mighty men and women of faith that are in my life who have journeyed on this road a little bit longer than I. I've heard their stories. I appreciate your stories because you have learned how to be content not in the things of this world, but in who? In Jesus. In fact, some of these people, I, I know you're in here. I'm trying not to look at you because I don't want to point you out, but yes, um, <laughs> I just love Hearing from you, and you would actually agree with this quote. Listen to this quote from R.W. DeHaan. He says, If you are a Christian 
The greatest blessings in life are already yours. Do you believe that? I don't know. <laughs> the greatest blessings in life are already yours. Heaven is your home. God is your father. He's promised never to leave you. And he's going to supply your every need. He says how green the grass is on your side of the fence. I think that's a beautiful picture of contentment. To know that in your all-sufficient Savior, the greatest blessings are already yours. Right? Citizen of heaven, God is your Father. He's never going to leave you. He's going to meet every need. For some of us, though, that kind of contentment, it sounds more like a pipe dream, right? Kind of sounds like something we can never fully reach. We can never be content in Christ. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and, and you feel that way. But if, if that's you this morning... I just want to encourage you. I want you to remember that contentment is in Christ. Contentment in Christ. Finding your contentment in Christ. It's something that you can have. I don't care how you came in this morning. It is something that you can have. Because listen to what Paul says. He says he has learned to be content. You know what that means? It means he learned how to be content. Learned. Meaning like there was a time when he was not content. And then he learned how to be content. So church, whether you came in this morning content or not content in Christ this morning, that's not my main concern. I'm not here to evaluate whether you were content or discontent as you walked in through these doors. The important question this morning right now is regardless of how you came in this morning, right now are you willing to learn? Do you have a teachable spirit? So much of the Christian life comes down to this question. We want the Christian life to be all about our past and all the pains and the hurts and the thing that person did and the thing that person did. But no, Christianity is so, I love what my brother says. He goes, Christianity is about the eternal now, today. He says rejoice in the Lord today because it's about today. We live today, right now in this moment. I hear the Lord teach, tell me this all the time. He says, Dan, are you teachable? Dan, are you teachable? Dan, are you teachable? Dan, in your pride, are you teachable? Dan, in your arrogance, are you teachable? Are you willing to learn what God wants to teach you? Because you know what? Paul learned and if Paul learned, I can learn. And if I can learn, you can learn. What does it mean to be content anyways? Uh, the Greek word here is autarkes. It literally means sufficient to self. Autarkes, it's this idea of self-sufficient. So, so you're independent of external circumstances affecting you, of, of people affecting you. One secular writer, he says autarkes, it's this idea of a country who is supplied in itself, meaning they don't need any imports to come in, right? So you're content. You don't need anything else to come in. You are all, right now, you are satisfied. You are sufficient. Well, for Christians, our true contentment is found within. And who's within us? Right? So we're sufficient in who? The one who is in us, who is it? It's Jesus Christ, His Holy Spirit. So He is sufficient. So we don't need anything externally, nothing externally to satisfy our life. All we need is within us, Christ the hope of glory. Christ in us. So we're content because Christ is in us. Christ and his power is in us. So then as Christians, and this is important, this is, like, this is a game changer here, church. Listen to this question. Are we trying to live the Christian life? Because we're all kind of trying to live the Christian life. Are you trying to live it by your own power or by the power of Christ who's in you? If it's by your own power, then your contentment is going to be found in your own efforts. If it's by Christ's power in you, then contentment is found in what? In, it's found in Christ and what Christ does. Right? And this kind of contentment, it's independent of circumstances because what? It's all dependent upon Christ. 
My contentment is found in an all-sufficient Savior. Remember, Christ says this. And again, the, the word is not a pipe dream. It's for you today. He says, listen to me. Christ says this. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. Do you see that? Contentment, all-sufficient Savior. Don't need any external imports. He says, no, no, no. I, you got everything you need right here. My grace. My grace is all-sufficient for you. I'm very like, wait, 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 Lord, I'm really weak. I, I don't know what to do. I, I can't even stand. I, I just feel like I'm a mess. He goes, no, 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 that's perfect. My power is made perfect in weakness. I got you. I got you. I love you. I'm with you. My grace is all over you. Man, to learn this, church, right? And then he says, you know, I'd rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell where? <clears throat> Within me, the power of Christ. Contentment is found in the power of Christ in me. The power of Jesus that is perfected in weakness. So even in my weakest moment, when the world is crumbling around me, I can be content because the power of Christ is working perfectly in me. Do we believe that, church? I, I, we, let's wrestle with that this morning. It reminds me of Hebrews 13.5. He says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said the promise of God, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Say that with me. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So according to that verse, why are we content? We're content because God has promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Why can we live our lives free of the love of money? Why can we be content in what we have? Because we have a Savior who will never leave us nor forsake us. We have the Spirit of God residing within us. Do you remember 2 Peter 1.3? It says, by God's divine power, the power of God that lives within us, we have everything. Say everything. We have everything we need to live a godly life. Amen. So we can be content in Christ. And just like Paul, regardless of how you came in this morning, we can all learn to be content in Christ. We do not come into a place like this to be shamed and condemned. We come into a place like this to live in freedom. The freedom that is found in an all-sufficient Savior. And I'm telling you, I have a long ways to go in this church. I, I do. I'm in process. But I know that God has not given up on me. I know he's not done with me yet. Do you believe that about yourself? That you're still in process and God's really excited about the process. He loves making his kids look a little bit more like Jesus. That he sent his Holy Spirit to help you, to teach you, to guide you, to show you, to point you the way to follow Christ. So the Bible's here. And I just encourage you. I had a text from someone who's really struggling and just saying, I hate church and I hate you know, pastors, I hate Christians and all this stuff. Um, and, and she, and, but then she also says, but I feel like I'm supposed to be a missionary. And it's a struggle, right? And she goes, so I feel like I probably would have to read my Bible. But then she goes, but I don't think I want to follow Christ. That's why she goes, I don't want to follow Christ. I just want to love people. And so that's what it came, came down for, for her. I don't want to follow Christ. I just want to love people. And she's in process just like the rest of us are in process. And, you know, if you're there even now, like, well, then do what God's asking you to do. If, if you're in a place where I'm just going to love people, I'm not going to follow Christ. Well, all I'd say is, okay, love people, but also be open to what God might want to say to you. Right? Like, I'm not here to condemn you, but allow Christ to be Christ. And if he has something he wants to say to you, are you willing to listen to what he has to say to you? Honestly, I, and I want to close with this. The worship team, you can come up. and Well, actually, don't come up because we'll, we'll do some baptisms. But 
Sometimes we beat ourselves up for a lack of contentment. I was, I was thinking about it. People come up to me trying to justify their lives, trying to justify why they live the way they live, and you don't have to justify it. Just relax. Relax. I believe the Lord really loves you today. He's not back there, you know, here to condemn you. It, there's truly a salvation, a spirit of salvation in this place this morning. So I know for me, like, I'll, I'll beat myself up, like, well, why, why am I not more content? I need to be more content. Or maybe you're feeling that way today, but... I want to conclude with this. And I believe, I just, I feel like this is here right now. Regardless of how you came in this morning, have the confidence that you are growing to become more like Christ. We don't even give ourselves that privilege, right? We don't, we, some of us are so down upon ourselves, we'd never say that about us. There's nothing good in me, right? There's no, nothing of value in me. No. In Christ, you are beautiful, perfect, very valuable, precious, a piece of art, a masterpiece. And he's making you every day, by the power of the Holy Spirit, more like Jesus Christ. So you don't have to have it all figured out this morning, church. We know the one who does. <laughs> and since we know the one who does, today is a really good day. Amen? Today is a really good day. Like, this is a day where we can rejoice in it and be glad in it. Like, this is a day where we can forget what is behind and we can press forward on toward the goal to win the prize. Today is a day where we can fix our minds on the things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Yeah, but last night, Dan, where my mind was, I was thinking about this and that. I don't care. Today is a new day. And today you can rejoice in the Lord. You can think on the things that are good. That even if you did everything wrong this week, I mean everything wrong this week, this is a new day. A day where you can actually learn. Do you believe that you can learn in the Lord today? I believe that you can learn right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can learn from each other. And you can learn from each other. And as you put into practice what you learn from each other, the promise of God is that the God of peace will be with you. Some of you need the peace of God with you. Well, maybe you need to pay attention to the Christian brother and sister around you, put into practice what they are teaching you or saying, and there might be the promise of Scripture that the God of peace will be with you. And you might need to believe that His grace is sufficient, all sufficient for us, even though we've chased after the things of this world. I've chased after the things of the world. You've chased after the things of this world. They've yet to satisfy. And even though we've tried to find our contentment in the things of the world and in people and all the other things that we try to find contentment, we are now learning right now in this moment, 10.07, we are learning. This is the beauty of church and why I love gathering with you. The Holy Spirit is teaching us right now. We are learning what it means to be content in all circumstances. Why? All circumstances because we have Jesus. Jesus, the all-sufficient Savior living within us. And so even as we see circumstances and people in different situations, they will not take us down. Even though we walk in the storms of life and the valley of the shadow of the death and all the things that happen to us, we find we are this contained container, right? We are content in Jesus Christ. We have everything we need. I do not need the external imports of wrath and envy and hatred and jealousy and malice and all the things that people spit upon you to affect me, right? Because I am all-sufficient. I have all that I need. In who? In Jesus Christ. And by the grace of God, this is what's powerful to me. Because then when we learn that, it's Sunday morning. Wow, I'm learning. Pastor Dan is talking from the word of God that I can be content in Jesus Christ. And in this contentment, now I have the peace of God with me. I'm learning that. Now I'm walking into my life. I'm walking into my life, leaving in my car and saying, you know, I've become a little bit more like Jesus today. Isn't this good? Like you came in, you're like, man, I'm pathetic. I'm worthless. No, you're an amazing, perfect human being in Christ. Christ is like washed you clean. Like you're blameless. Blameless. You need to understand that you're holy. You did not deserve the holiness, but because of Christ in you and the blood of Jesus, you are now holy. Holy 
as he is holy. This is incredible that now you, are, you have this opportunity to be in a relationship with Christ. So you walk out those doors changed. As you walk out these doors changed, this is when the kingdom of God begins to advance and begins to advance like a wildfire because now you know you're changed. And as a changed person, what you say and what you do is going to sound a little bit more like Jesus. And the world around you is going to see Jesus. And if they want Jesus in their hearts, if they're ready to receive Jesus, they'll see you and they say, I want what you have. I want what you say. I want what you do. Teach me. And you'll be able to teach them. And the Bible will actually come true. And it will be disciples making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And it will spread, church. Do you understand that? The ministry of the gospel of God is not a pastor's job. It is a disciple's job. And, and it's not out of strife and effort and straining. It is out of relaxing, saying, you know what? Right now I have everything I need in Christ Jesus. Second Peter 1, 3, by the power of God, I have everything I need to live a godly life. And, and Lord, you're actually changing me. You're growing me to become more like your son, Jesus Christ. And so guess what? You don't have to preach a sermon on Monday morning. You don't have to have the bullhorn. You just have to be you. Because guess what? You is really good. Because Christ, the hope of glory, is in you. So you get to talk and walk. So rejoice today. Rejoice. And I want to close with this. It's one of those Christian-y zingers, bumper sticker of the faith. And for those that want to get baptized, if you guys just kind of make your way to the back. Um, it comes right at the end of this passage, but I want to hear, have you hear it now in the context of what we've been talking about today. He says, I greatly rejoice in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned. You had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Church, that's so powerful to me. As we learn to be content in Jesus, satisfied in this all-sufficient Savior, we will do what he has called us to do. Not by my power, my strength, but by the power of Christ in me. When your contentment is no longer found in your strength or your power, but in the strength and power of God who resides within you, with that kind of contentment, you are now working for the kingdom of God. Because now circumstances, situations, and people will not dictate or control your life. You will not be tossed by the waves of life or taken off course by the opinions of man. In your contentment, you will not be led by circumstances or people. But instead, you will be fixated on the source of your contentment. You will be led step by step by the power of God which resides within you. And you will accomplish all that God has called and destined you to do. As we truly learn how to be content in Jesus Christ, you and I, we will do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are just so real. Uh, thank you for your spirit and your presence this morning. Uh, you do want to teach us, and you are teaching us. Thank you for teaching us, Lord. Thank you for teaching me, God. You've, uh, again and again, Lord, in the last couple of weeks, I, I've told you I have so much to learn, and you've responded every time, and I'm going to teach you. Lord, I thank you that you, you love the humble spirit. You love the surrendered spirit who asked you to teach us. By your spirit, teach us. Teach us, Lord. We do not want to leave this place the same. Change us by your Holy Spirit. 
that when people see what we say and see what we do, that they would see Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory. In your name we pray. Amen.